1964, Bud Hopkins witnessed an event that would set him on the path of becoming the father of the alien abduction movement. After observing an object defy the laws of gravity and conventional physics while in Cape Cod, Hopkins would develop a serious interest in the investigation of UFOs. After writing articles for major publications at that time that included The Village Voice and Cosmopolitan, Hopkins received an almost overwhelming amount of correspondence from those who claimed to have not only have witnessed UFOs, but had close contact with the intelligences controlling the craft. After publishing his first book on the commonalities of alien abductee experiences, Hopkins received a letter that would lead him to the subject for his second book. The events that followed after meeting the woman who would go by Kathy Davis at the time of writing his book would catapult Hopkins to the forefront of the alien abduction phenomenon and into the UFO limelight. This case file joined the theorists as they discussed the world's worst paranormal pool party in the Copley Woods incident. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 220, The Copley Woods Incident. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. All right, back on the mothership. We're here. Uh, Meteor Studios. Me and me and Dan flew down from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we checked on it. Did you teleport down? Yeah, yeah, teleported. We have a uh, yeah teleportation pads hooked up mm-hmm. between studio. Hey, Elon, and if you want to, if you want Starlink, we're open for sponsorships since we're uh, the only podcast beaming from space. But no big I mean, deal, not a big deal. It's, uh, totally up to you. Feeling generous you want us on your network. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, back to it's been, it's been a little while since we uh, dove into a little alien abduction, so I th- we decided it's time. I think we kind of, we, we got uh, that nice and juicy. I don't know when was the last one we really did, like an alien one. Was it the Cisco Grove? Cisco, Cisco Grove, last, yeah. But that, that one was, was so good. That it was so good. It was just a how fun, do you, how do you get better fun story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, you know, like that's the, it's an amazing, tale. if you haven't listened to that one, go back, check that one out. Uh, the Copley Woodinson, though, is it, you know, it's, it's a pretty fascinating story. I mean, there's books written about it, um, shows. There's tons of podcasts. There's actually not as many as I thought, like other material out there. No, I had a hard time. A lot of the stuff you have to look up, you have to go through Bud Hopkins. Yeah, he has interviews and stuff about it. He's basically the Bob Ross of UFO researchers <laughs> in the sense that he's an artist. Yes. <laughs> And not yeah, like what is a it? metaphorical artist. He's an actual no, he's, artist. He's it's, just an artist. It doesn't. What, <laughs> I'm going to butcher the. He's got something in like the Guggenheim or something, right? He's got like a. He has a Guggenheim. He has. Right. He has yeah, a he's got like a sculpt- accolades like in the art world. He is well, he's got a wooden sculpture in the Guggenheim or whatever the hell it's called. What is it? What does that mean? It's a. Like it's it's like, like an art museum. museum, big museum, yeah. Modern yeah, art sculpture. Museum. 
uh, yeah, th- this case, which which is weird that you can't find a lot on it because this is one of the cases um, that really is credited with kicking off a lot or popularizing a lot of alien abduction uh, the phenomenon. Uh, uh, Bud Hopkins is a famous UFO alien abduction researcher. Uh, after you know being an artist, and then you know he had his own experiences, and he felt kind of, uh, I guess, obligated to bring this kind of this the the whole alien abduction thing into the light so people could discuss it and things like that. So he's, you know, back then in the eighties and and early nineties, like he was out there doing panels with other UFO researchers and alien abduction, uh, researchers. And, and this one was actually his second, like this account of the Copley Woods incident, um, was actually the second, the, the subject of his second book, uh, intruders. And then, um, his first book was actually kind of addressed the whole missing time, Event okay, and how that was there. To alien there was a cases. fictional show yeah. about intruders, right? Yeah, like, it was based I was off of his book. Yeah, for the life of me, I was trying to find track down an episode, but I couldn't. It was find a TV. Any. Yeah, it was a t- three part TV special. I think it was. Um, yeah, the only place yeah. I could find it was you could buy it on Blu-ray or DVD. <laughs> wow, they put it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's it's all, re- remastered on Blu-ray. But mm. Bud Hopkins, like he's. He's one of those people that he he he's not like a a scientist. He's someone he's someone who had an experience, saw something that he didn't understand, and you know couldn't explain it, and then basically kind of went on a lifelong journey of studying UFOs and uh, abductees. Which is you know it's it's I like that aspect of this case. I like Bud Hopkins in the sense that like. Could you imagine seeing something where you just know wholeheartedly with your like every fiber of your being, you're like, what I just saw was an alien. Yeah. They exist. My whole, how do you go back to just like, well, I'll just go back to my nine to five now. No big deal. Like, you, don't. You, can't be, you can't be sculpting things that would after that. Come on. No. Come yeah. on. Uh, if the name does sound familiar, if, if people are kind of thinking about it, where did I heard that name before? Uh, Bud Hopkins was also involved in the Whitley Strieber mm-hmm. alien abduction. He was the artist that he called uh, pretty much. He said he found his number in the phone book and called him or got in contact with him somehow. Well, didn't he and, have a dir- like? Didn't he have something in the in the back of his books being like, if you had an experience or an encounter, like get a hold of me. Here's yeah. my fucking here's I my mean, personal phone open, number. Yeah, he was very open to co- correspondence. People would send like once he published his first book. I mean, he became the guy to contact. Like he's answering you know hundreds of letters uh, a month or and whatever, and you know seemed to be pretty uh, accessible as a as a uh, uh, proclaimed expert in the in the field of alien abduction. So this specific incident, right, took place on June 30th of 1983 in Indiana. Now, in the book Intruders, uh, Bud Hopkins uses a, a pseudonym, I guess Kathy Davis, for the actual uh, name of the person who she came out later and that, yeah. you know made it known her actual identity is Debbie Jordan Cobble. And she Debra. was living... <laughs> Debra. Uh, she was living with her two sons at her parents' home uh, at the time. And this, uh, the event that occurred happened around 6 p.m., uh, is what she said. So around 6 p.m., she said she noticed some sort of strange light coming from the pump house of the backyard swimming pool. And 
she, she kind of took notice of it when she was indoors at first. And then she was actually planning to go to a neighbor's house or actually like there were one street over. Um, he was going to go to their house and do some sewing, I believe for like a some costume for, yeah. yeah. So well, a costume for one of their, uh, their teenage daughters or one of their, one of their children. And so she kind of took note of the light. She said she noticed it. Um, but you know, when she went out to her car, she took a look back at where the, the light had been and the light had was not there anymore. It, um, it's a, it's a weird one to think because June, like 6 PM, it's, it's not going to be dark. You know what I mean? So it's like, even to see any kind of light, you would think you're like, I guess you would make them, you'd be like, oh, that what the, like that is strange. Like it's mm. the middle of the day. Why is this like you would obviously know your pool house and where your lights are located. So it it would be kind of strange, I would assume, to at 6 p.m. be like, oh shit, there's just a yeah, because it was it was kind of described as somebody like playing with a flashlight, right? Yeah, that's what she thought. Yeah, like yeah, in I one should. of the interviews, she thought maybe it was someone holding a flashlight, which is which would be fucking weird. Somebody in your backyard. Running around with lightsaber, you know, but you would see them, you would you would see them in at six p.m. on June, right? And there's there's there, it's, it's a just pretty a, big property, though, from what I understand. Like the, she lives on an acreage, doesn't she? Yeah, so maybe it's or maybe it's her the, parents' place. The pump house is maybe it's far. Well, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say it's it's far enough away that like if someone was perhaps holding a flashlight, like a high powered one of those Bell and Howell ones, you get off uh, the TV, you know, the indestructible, you run over it with your van. Well, yeah, I guess. Anyways, cue to the Bell, Bell and Howell. Well, I mean, this is a pump, this is a pump house for the pool, right? So usually, like someone's pool is not like that far from your house. Like you're not gonna have your pool yeah, sure. hundreds of. I, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Maybe you have a, a secluded grotto out in the woods. I gotta start referring to my gym as the pump house now. Yeah, so my <laughs> Why garage is officially the pump house. You need a nice yeah. neon sign. Yeah, it's done. So when she originally saw the light, she thought it had that light had been issuing from inside the pump house. I believe she kind of, when she initially saw it, uh, she thought that the door was open to the pump house. She thought she had seen the door actually open. So she kind of had this, this suspicion that perhaps it could have been some intruder. Like somebody had gotten into the pump house, which had been closed. Uh, she remembered closing it and locking it. And she was so concerned that she actually went out there and checked the door on the pump house before leaving and it was locked. So, I mean, that kind of, re she had a tiny bit of reassurance that maybe nobody was in there. Still though, and, I think it affected her enough to actually go check it out. So something, right. something caught her eye. So eventually she gets over to uh, Deanne, uh, which I don't think is the rename. That's the name they use in the book, um, uh, which is Deanne's house, which is one street over. And uh, Debbie was still feeling a bit concerned. So she called her mom who was at home at the time with her two sons uh, to, to kind of check on her and see if she had seen anything, um, you know, at the, at the house. And Debbie said when her mother answered the phone, uh, she sounded a little bit nervous. And uh, this kind of came, I think this one of the came interviews out. that I heard too, like she described her as nervous and distant and then just like, Something she could tell that just something was off with her mother on the phone. Like she couldn't pinpoint what it was, but something was wrong, and that kind of raised even more like concern for like in her mind. And later, I, th I think later Debbie's mom would actually report like she had actually noticed a basketball, what she described as a basketball size, like a basketball sized ball of light in the backyard, and that she watched this soft light. 
as it began to decrease in size until it disappeared completely. So she saw like this floating ball of light that just kind of like, 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 you know, pop out of, gone, you know? So Debbie was like, well, I'm going to go back and check, you know, check on you and come back. She was already kind of worried about, you know, being the intruder. Um, Her father, Debbie's father was working the late shift. So he wasn't going to be home till about 11 PM that night. So she was, I don't know, understandably worried about her mother and her elderly mother and her her kids being uh, home alone, you know, (laughs) at the mercy of some sort of intruder coming to their house. Um, And also like before she was going to leave, the neighbors hearing the concern in her voice and kind of like just, you know, hearing that something's up, kind of asked her what was going on. She's like, I don't know, you know, something's going on with my mom and stuff. They asked her to call her. They The neighbors asked her like, okay, well, call us when you get there and let us know what's going on just so we know you're okay. Like it's, you know, for our peace of mind. So right. she leaves their house Good neighbors. Yeah, with a plan like the neighbors are waiting for a phone call. And so when Debbie got there, she said that, you know, she she was feeling uneasy already, um, you know, with the possibility of an intruder being there. She said that she got home. And as soon as she got home, she went straight to the uh, the place where they kept uh, their family gun, I suppose. Her father kept her, his gun. This is America. That's the first thing you think about doing. Where's the gun? <laughs> yeah, you got to regulate, man. I wasn't. Sh- I was surprised she didn't go over to her neighbors with two fucking Tomb Raider holsters on either su- either thigh, <laughs> extended mags. Yeah. So Debbie said that she took the, uh, with the gun in hand. She went and checked the pump house. Found it empty, like the, the gun had been locked. The gun was empty as well. Because I remember the mom said something, being like, "Hey, yes. listen, that thing's not loaded." And Debbie right. was like, "Listen, I'll beat him with it if I have to." Now it yeah. was a small caliber, like twenty-two. Right. Yes, that's what it says. Oh, uh, really? Book. I didn't see. That's not what I thought. I thought it was like some badass shotgun, and she like kicked <laughs> open the door and just racked it. When, she when I in first, like, yeah, when I first read that, I was hoping it, it was smells like, like bitch in here. I was, I was hoping it was some go. big like dirty hairy forty five like giant yeah. hand cannon is what well, I was picturing it, in my mind. But there is a couple different accounts of the gun. In one interview, she does in fact say it was a shotgun. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, oh, really? All I could see is her right. fucking racking yeah. that shit as she in kicked the, open in the door. The, yeah, in her original. Like, Interviews, at least in the book, uh, from what I read, that it, it it was initially a twenty-two. Like okay, it's identified as a twenty-two. Wait, I'm gonna rewind it yeah, a little bit. That- I'm gonna rewind a little bit. She grabbed a ten gauge shotgun, not a twelve gauge, an even bigger one. Ten gauge okay, sawed off shotgun, yeah. double barrel, off yeah. she goes. Yeah. See, and that's yeah. the best part about this, because I bet you that's exactly how it's gone too. Cause initially, oh yeah, it's a twenty-two. And as everybody plays the telephone game, it's like, oh, it was a bazooka. She walked out there with a fucking empty rocket launcher. Fucking RPG <laughs> launcher. Uh, she, Debbie, there's no rocket in the front of that. It's all right. I'll beat him with it. <laughs> uh, so Debbie, Debbie went out and checked with her bazooka, and the pump house was empty. Um, <laughs> she's yelling her, through the tube. Who's out there? Who's out there? He's using it as a megaphone. <laughs> And then she also, like, I mean, she pretty much a, did a huge circuit around the house. Like she was checking everywhere, you know, feeling she had this just really uneasy feeling, I guess you could really something that, uh, that, that something was going on. She went to go check the garage, which had been open when she had left. And, and, and they made a note in the book to kind of say that this is something that was unusual because they said that they usually kept the garage closed and, uh, something else that kind of caught her notice was that the family dog was actually cowering, 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 
Cow. <laughs> Underneath their father's Holy photography. Oh, photography. That's a hard word to say. Um, cowering. cowering. But it's the best word to describe what the dog was <laughs> First doing. Because the dog was like, I, when she described the dog, she's like, normally a dog like didn't do this. This is not this is not normal behavior for the dog. Usually the dog was out barking at things and seemed like a pretty yeah. lively. This, this dog was uh, spooked. And yeah. she, she said like this dog was for, it was her dog. This dog loved her. So for her to come into a room and this dog not immediately be excited to see her was alarming in itself. Yeah, man, that's like, I can't even think of that. I have not, I've yet to be in a situation where my dog is like spooked and cowering. And if that was the case, I would be shitting my pants. Right? And, and that's what I think. That's what I think too. So when like this, I was like, you're all, and imagine you're already on edge thinking that there's something going on. And then imagine like just for a minute, you go into your, the pump house and Axel's just cowering under your bench. Yeah, he like no. won't come out. Like you're yeah, like, no. fuck, what's it? What's out here? Oh, that would be such a, I, I, I'd be, because I, I can't leave my boy in there, but at the same time, I don't want to get fucking murdered. Yeah. I don't want to get paranormally activated, but oh man, I love you, buddy, but see ya. <laughs> Just kidding. I would be fucking I'd put him over my shoulders, kick open that door, I'd be out of there. Yeah. So uh Debbie made a quick look, took a quick look inside. She said she pushed open the door, she looked around as quickly as she could, and then the garage appeared completely empty. I guess she came in from a side door. And then she kind of said that she she started to feel some type of burning sensation all over her body or something uh to that effect. And then she got this sudden urge to just leave the building. It's bizarre, man. Wait, her body had a, like a burning sensation? Yeah, she, that's what she, she described. described. Yeah. yeah, she described it like burning down to every one of her molecules in her body. Like, were burning. Oh, dude. Right? Remember when we like, talked about that, uh, what was that, that directed weapon, the like the active denial system? Yeah. It like makes your skin like go on fire. <laughs> It's like just it's just high frequency waves that like resonate with your skin and make you feel like you're burning. It's weird, man. It's it's weird too because like I don't know about you guys, but I get the vibe from the way she's feeling, right? Like already, it's you know she has other than being a little bit anxious, right? There's potentially somebody that's hanging out in this fucking this this pump house, right? She's got her gun and she's entered. So you're obviously you're going to be high stress. You see your dog, your dog's cowering. Okay. That's, that's anxiety inducing. But then the way she's describing, like to just the urge to fucking leave the burning. It's just like, it's like stages like, okay, she's getting too close. Let's hit her with some type of like, you know, something that's giving her those emotions to okay, leave. She gets a little bit too close and now she's getting this like burning feeling. And it's like, they're trying to, they're using some type of like non-lethal way to get her to fuck off is kind of the feeling I'm getting. Or fuck yeah. off or go somewhere, like direct her somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. You know, like maybe she wasn't supposed to go that direction. We're going to get to a little more of that, but. So now, uh, Debbie, with the, with the now. urge leave, she. she <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's going leaves. on with you tonight, Dan? It's, you, well, you started with your fucking Raymond impression. You okay? Is everything okay? You yeah, had a couple of wobbly pops before we started here. Yeah, you struggled with cowering. I know. It's unlike it's you. My, 
Someone yeah. else game. Off my game tonight. I don't yeah. know. Everyone's you didn't do your game. voice exercises before, right? The, how, the human how torch was denied how. a bank loan. Yep. How, how now, Unique brown unique. cow? How now? The tip of the brown. tongue, the teeth, the no. lips. The tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. <laughs> Moses supposes his toes are roses, so Moses supposes erroneously. There we go. All right. He's got he's, it. He's, he's absolutely <laughs> practiced that. Absolutely. Now, uh, she Pressure's decided on. to... <laughs> she decided... <laughs> What was the dog doing again? What was the dog doing again? It was cowering. Cow I can't say it. It's very hard. Cowering. cowering. Yes. Cowering. He's a human. He's alive. He's a, a human being. Cannot compute. I have to update my firmware. He's got, yeah, Go to break. Go there's to a break. glitch. There's a got glitch. Um, oh, that's it. Oh, fuck. So the, that's funny. The dog oh, yeah, makes me really happy. Cowering. There we go. There we go. He's got it. So now uh, Debbie decides to kind of write all of this off, I suppose, and return to the neighbor's home, which she had left, you know, kind of early in in a hurry uh, to go ahead and, and go back and and which might be over there. which might be the most bizarre thing about this whole story that she just writes it off, yeah, uh, right? Like those feelings, those that feeling of impending doom and the burning all of her body, her dog's car. Like, I don't think you could do that. I, I just don't think you know, like especially when your fucking kids and your mom are inside. Yeah, but. Maybe if you're not really yourself well, after this, right? you'd have, you're in some you'd sort have of to days. You, you just, exactly, right? Like it just, that would not be your response. Like you've already gone to the lengths of being like, there's something wrong in my house. I'm super uncomfortable. I'm going to go there. Your suspicions are, are more, you know, they're almost confirmed and without seeing anything, but the, you know, the feelings that you're having have, have just been exacerbated. Like, and then for you to be like, eh, fuck it, let's go do some patchwork. Well, that's because let's you go back could, to fucking Gina Davis's house and do some patchwork. Let's go. That's because your her body got fucking microwaved. Her mind's all scrambled. She doesn't know what's going on here. Yeah, maybe. So now, well, and she's got to check in with them. She's got to check in with the neighbors. Yeah, I know. This is fucking nineteen eighty three. Go grab the phone and be Call. like, "Hey, stuff's still pretty fucking weird." We're okay here. She she went like it's almost like she like went in there and got fucking neuralized and was like, "Go back to what you're doing." Yeah. You didn't see anything here. Fuck off. So now all of this actually didn't really trigger any kind of uh, like a big kind of epiphany to her. She wasn't really interested in all of this to happen. Like none of this she found super strange enough to kind of uh, really report anything or even think about reporting. What kind of trigger, what kind of got her feeling like something might have been wrong, really wrong, is that when she returned back to the neighbor's house, she felt as only 15 minutes had passed. But then when she got there, they told her like, no, you've been gone for two hours. You're like, why didn't you call? <laughs> We've been waiting. I'm surprised they didn't go check on her, to be honest with you. Especially if you didn't hear from her two hours and it's a block away. Yeah, we're whatever, we have right? one street over. Yeah. Piece of shit neighbors. We yeah. take well, everything no. we sit back. <laughs> well, it's one of those, like, what do you call it? Like, the, one of those comments where you're like, I'm going to offer something, but I hope they don't take me up on it. Like, what? oh, yeah, give us a call. Like, well, I hope everything's okay. <laughs> but you know, it's like when you see your buddy moving, be like, yeah, let me know if you need any help. It's just, just a huge, away. empty gesture is what you're saying. That's exactly what I was <laughs> it trying is. to say. But you yeah. know what, though? I don't, think that's, I don't think that's weird or uncommon or even, like, a wrong thing to do because I've, I've done that, too, like, with check-ins and stuff with, like, say my brother going camping, hey, we're up this road, I'll call you by five. Well, at 5.05, I'm not alerting search and rescue. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I give him the benefit of the doubt. your brother wasn't like, hey, something's wrong with my, at back at my house, I saw something weird, I'm very concerned, I have to leave now. And you didn't hear from him for two hours, you wouldn't be like, um, listen, okay, so 
<laughs> one of my best friends, Tyrone Page. You guys know him. Love the guy. Yeah. All right. Loves I've talked to that guy. I've talked to that guy every day since I've met him. Like we text, whatever. I like we don't we don't not talk. I didn't hear from him for like two days, and I fucking almost called the police. Called his girlfriend. <laughs> called everybody. I'm like, you guys know if he's okay? What like the what the fuck? Tyrone? He was, cam he was camping. <laughs> no cell service. And I was, but you know, like that's right. Like I feel like if you these are hey, somewhat you close waited friends from two days. And you talk to him every day. That means you didn't hey, even wait two hours. You waited 48 hours. It was two days. It was two days that I fucking reached out to his girlfriend. Before that, I talked to every one of our friends and been like, hey, you know what? You've seen Tyrone? What's up with Tyrone? Where's Tyrone? Seriously. I thought he was mad because I fucking Braden was one of my groomsmen and not him. I thought that <laughs> was the problem. I thought he was bitter. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I offered. But he fucking. I didn't even so, I don't even remember seeing him at the wedding, to be honest. He wasn't there. <laughs> Okay. So at the time, Debbie kind of still kind of wrote all this off. She disregarded all of the puzzling events that had led up to her being at the thing and and just kind of just said, you know, well, screw it. Since it's such a hot night, we should all go take a swim in the pool that I have back at my house. So uh she offered to uh she offered to her neighbor. Uh <laughs> and, and what time is it at too? Like this is bizarre, right? Right. Well, Debbie, it's like a, Debbie it's 11... where have you been? Where have you been? We've been worried sick. Let's go to my house for a pool. Yeah, it's mad hot out. Let's go for a dip. It's a hot Pretty night. Much. Yeah. yeah. Um, Get some I, cool glasses of lemonade. I don't think it was completely out of the ordinary for them to be swimming at night. I think um, uh, Debbie did say that she she had done it on a number of occasions since her, her father kind of worked late at night. So it wasn't unusual for her to kind of go swim. And then, you know, her, her father would come home and be well, able to greet him or, or it's whatever. Probably, but, it's yeah. well, summertime here. So, I mean, I'm not sure how the weather is in this particular area, but I imagine it's warm enough to go for a night swim. No questions asked. But right. it is weird and she, that you and leave. And she's got two kids though. She puts them down. Like she's probably like gets the pool herself. She goes in with the pool. Like it's probably a big yeah. thing with the kids. So sure. It's probably like her time. Like, ah. Uh. It is weird though. It It's weird that you left the neighbor's house in a panic. Go back to the neighbor's house an hour and 45 minutes late, let's say. <laughs> and then Listen. be like, yeah, what's this? Let's go back to my house, which I just came from. Everything's fine. Want to go for a swim? <laughs> well, exactly. Like you're going back. Your your idea is to go have a fucking swim, right? So you've you've left your you've left your friend's house to go check on your family's well being. You've immediately decided after you've not seen anything that you're going to go back to your friend's house. You find out that two hours has passed, right? And then you tell your friend, "Hey, you want to come over for a swim?" I don't give a fuck if my two boys are inside sleeping. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if they got tucked in. I have no idea what's happening on the inside of my house. You want to come over and have a fucking pool party? Like, none of this makes sense. Hey, listen, this I hope weird. they're not paying her by the hour. That's all I yeah, got to say. Shit. <laughs> they're like, God damn, Debbie, we just want you to sew the fucking patchwork. Yeah, hey, listen, fucking Susie, Susie's got the fucking David's Magical Dream Coat concert next week, all right? This shit's got to be ready. Yeah. You've done one sequence. <laughs> <laughs> so, Debbie, um, her, her neighbor and her neighbor's teenage daughter, Tammy, uh, went back to go, you know, take a midnight swim at the thing. Now, Tammy, the daughter, reported that uh, when she stepped on a place where there wasn't any grass in the lawn, as they were making their way towards the pool, uh, you know, after getting getting back to uh, Debbie's house, um, she said she stepped on a spot and she felt this kind of warm sensation or like underneath her foot, it didn't feel like where there was like dirt. It felt like warm cement is what she said. And then her foot began to feel tingly 
and they eat a bit numb, like before they had even reached the pool. <laughs> what? I mean, there would not be that hot of a fucking surface at 11 p.m. No. No chance. Right? Like, not, no way. And not where there's normally grass. Yeah. Like, that's... So, and so by the time all three of them uh, managed to get into the pool and they were all in the water, the teenager claimed that her entire leg had gone numb. And then shortly after that, all three reported feeling an intense and sudden nausea as well as a soreness in their eyes and their and their vision actually began to blur and become fuzzy. Wait, okay, wait, go back to this numb foot. Because when I first read that, I was like, did she, st- is like, is there some like type of like, you know, venomous cactus or poisonous cactus? I mean, or, this is Indiana, so like, no. <laughs> no, or, or not, maybe not a cactus, but maybe like some type of like plant, like some type of like, like around here we have tons of like poison ivy. And you, it doesn't I mean, make itchy. It, and po- kind of, but poison ivy doesn't take, it's like, it takes a while for the oils to set in and all that, you know, it takes at least right. like a couple hours. Like this was a, instantly happened. Like you'd have to, it'd have to be some sort of like poisonous, snake or a poisonous like like a sea urchin or something i would think well yeah like (laughs) numb is not something you'd probably associate with that type of reaction which is kind of bizarre no like more rashy rashy and swollen maybe yeah itchy swollen uncomfortable right like i mean if you got poison oak you'd be fucking stoked if it was numb i'd be like fuck perfect can't feel it (laughs) this is true yeah uh it's so uh, all of them after this having this sensation, like they said, they put on kind of their shorts and their jeans. They kind of got out of the pool <laughs> thinking something was wrong. And I think their first assumption was that the but water on their shorts was, and their jeans, nervous smiles all around. We're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the initial We're assumption was like the time. water had been over chlorinated. I think that was their original assumption. It's like something was just like wrong with the, the, the mix and you know, the chemical mix in the pool. It's something got 10 times the chlorine in the water instantly cause you to, <laughs> nauseous and itchy gross um but uh, in order to quell their their nausea debbie thought it would probably be the best idea was to go and head to the local fast food restaurant that they knew would be open late go to and Denny's, then, uh, you know get like get a bite to eat to settle their stomachs fucking that was BK, BK grill what the fuck's up Denny's? <laughs> the bk lounge go to fucking wendy's like <laughs> she say what the fuck is up Denny's. When, it's, what the fuck is what up, the Denny's? Fuck is up Denny's? That's that's one of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> the like hardcore. If you band. don't know, if you don't know what that is, you need to go on YouTube right now and look up. Like, pause the fucking podcast and type in <laughs> "What the fuck is up, Denny's?" Because it is the greatest thing to ever happen. <laughs> what is it? It's a fuck. These dudes, these like high school guys, are playing a hardcore show. Like they're like a metal band at Denny's, at and Denny's. he hops on the mic. This like fat kid, and he's like, "What the fuck is up, Denny's?" And everybody's <laughs> moshing at Denny's. It's like it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, dude! Every it, time I see it, I fucking die. I hadn't seen it in a while, and it just popped up on the feed, and I was like, "Oh, it's great!" <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, the fast food did not seem to have the desired effect. You and the don't nausea, say. Yeah. You, and the nausea actually say. became worse. So, um, all those I saturated guess, fats aren't, didn't help. Not you a, tell me not that. absorbing. There's no way. There's uh, no so way. instead of, yeah, instead of kind of getting any more food, they decided to head back and head back home. Now, um, you know, they didn't do any more swimming that night. Uh, everybody kind of, you know, went their separate ways. Debbie went to bed that night and then saying that the following day, Debbie woke up and she could not open her eyes because they were so swollen. Like she had to be taken to the hospital for them yeah. to treat. 
uh, you know, these, this swelling in her eyes and she was given, uh, you know, type of creams and liquid drops, not sure what the prescriptions exactly were, um, to, to, you know, decrease the swelling. I'm sure it was some kind of steroid it's or whatever. It's interesting um, because like when Zell mentioned, when they stepped on the leg, went numb, you're like, well, could it have been some type of cactus or plant? Right. Cause that's what you would associate with, with like when you, when you have an anaphylactic reaction, you get what's called an, um, angioedema. Right. So your face swells up. It's like a localized swelling. Yep. And that's what like with your eyes like that, that's what if I walked in and saw somebody with eye, their eyes so swollen, they couldn't open them. It's be like, I would think that's angioedema personally. Like something you ate or a reaction of something in your blood or. Yeah, exactly. Anything like it's a histamine, histamine reaction, right? Like right. It's, an, it's an allergic reaction. Well, yeah. in, in one of the in one of the like the accounts I read that she said that the doctors had asked her if she had been working around like welding arcs or had been staring at welding arcs like we all do let's not lie here you see a, you see a welding arc we all look we can't help it uh but if you're close enough you'll fucking burn the shit out of your eyes yeah, yeah what about well, the swelling just though the arc what about the swelling right i can well, see i see you getting like the like the spots or whatever from getting flashed but like <laughs> why would your eyes swell up after is that a thing? I've never looked at. Uh, well, let me I've see if I can find. I've a... stared directly at the arc. From... <laughs> I listen. I look at I the mean, arc every every time listen. I see it. I look at it in the corner of my eye. I can't help it. Like with flash burns, I think you get like your eyes and stuff will get red because it's right. it, yeah. But I don't think you get swelling like that. That doesn't. I don't, I don't think understand. you get. Like, I don't yeah, physical. I don't. Swelling can, I can't see the associated reaction that would cause oh, the swelling. There's some. There's some swollen eyes on some flash burns. Okay. Um, really? So like the burn, the, the uh, burn is so, like from like a, watching like a nuclear explosion. <laughs> the oh, it's like if you get too close to where, I mean, they talked about it in the Navy. Like I worked in engineering and they're like, don't look at that. You'll get flash burn. You're like, your eyes will get all fucked up. Like, there is. Yeah, well, no, I've seen it. I've, I've, but I, I, I've I never guess if you're, like, if you're close way, enough, the heat got you maybe. Yeah. But even, but the, it's again, just the light is they, so intense. Like it just like, I know, but that doesn't like even even facial burns. I don't think would really present that way. But well, okay. the, like, to the point where your eyes are swollen shut. What I'm and, like, what puffy. I'm looking at is it looks like is the eyes are like beet red. Everything's red, but it's I wouldn't describe it as swollen shut, like anaphylactic shot at all. What it looks like is like the eyelids look like inflatable tubes that someone's pumped up in the beet red. <laughs> right? They look like and so so it gives the appearance that the eye's swollen, but really it's just like it looks like someone's pumped the eye your eyelids just right. yeah. so much. So for whatever reason she has the swollen eyes, she gets some special prescriptions for creams and drops. Right. And it would take weeks for them, several weeks for her eyes to return to normal. Now this was Dan. Yeah. Listen, Dan. At the end of this. If you fucking try to tell me that that was from food poisoning at that fucking fast food restaurant, <laughs> we're going to have a problem. All right? So I'm just putting that out here now. Well, this, uh, okay? this was post the food poisoning, though. Or exactly. This is post the symptoms. Like, they didn't get the symptoms after that. So, All right. Um, just before we move on, Dan, uh, because we're about halfway through the case, but we're going to have a quick beer. We'll be right back. Oh, and we're back. Back. <laughs> There's I a, just walked in. You had <laughs> impeccable timing. That's impeccable. fucking hilarious. To the T, to the second. Awesome. That's funny. So the the uneasiness, the the nausea, the the swelling eyes, like that stuff that was not 
the final nail in the coffin or to what this was the the final motivating event for uh, Debbie to get in contact and actually take her experience seriously or you know really see it as something something strange had happened was that around a week later after her that that whole series of events an eight foot circle uh, formed or seemed to form in the grass in her backyard. Like the grass inside this circle had turned dead and brown and the ground itself seemed to be just gray and cracked. Like nothing would grow there. And, and, she, and she said she like what? dropped rulers down and would lose them down some of these cracks. There's other weird things too. Like I remember they were saying like it seemed the ground in that spot seemed to like suck all the moisture out of everything. Like even snow, snow would fall there and it would suck all the moisture out of the snow. So eight foot with all, yeah. void in the grass. So I'm like yeah, anomaly. Seemingly. Weird. What even the dog, like the dog that was cowering before would like give this spot wide berths. Birds would land in it. Um, one of the interviews... <laughs> Dogs were avoiding it because it feels bad for fucking killing the grass from pissing in that spot <laughs> yeah. for fucking how long. He's like, what's it be? What's it be? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the interviews I listened with uh, Deborah, she someone asked like, "Well, did you ever like throw bird seed in there to see if you could coax birds?" And she said, "Yes." And they still didn't see birds go like they would not go into that area. Weird. So after all of these strange things, kind of Debbie summed all of this stuff up into a letter where she sent to uh, Bud Hopkins and they began a correspondence uh, in September of 1983. So just a few months after the actual event itself. It's wild that at this point in time, anyone could be a pen pal with Bud Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, he was answering a lot of Big letters. Like anybody, you could send a letter to him and it seems like he would respond. He's, everyone's yeah. Bud. Right. But this, I think this one actually caught his attention. Like he, he, he mentions in his book talking about like he would answer a lot of letters and he would go through a bunch of letters. But this one, the, the things that happened, he noticed, uh, you know, a, a whole harm, hallmarks of, especially like with the missing time, he linked this back to previous cases, which he had kind of covered in his previous, but the research that he had done for his previous book and, um, you know, cases that he had heard about and kind of came in contact with during his investigation into other cases. So this one really took his interest and he felt like it would be, it would probably be productive for him to meet Debbie in person and then conduct, you know, the, the, what was the, (laughs) the, the, the preferred treatment of the day was the regression hypnosis. Old Bud here, he I watched an interview. He came on uh, Dina Petty's fucking talk show, which was the most 80s talk show in the history of the fucking world. Great watch. Um, he said he's getting 300 letters a week. Wow. 300 letters a week, <laughs> and he reads them all. That's I mean, that's 300. Pa- I mean, if they're one-page letters, I'm sure they're more than one page, but it's like, yeah, he's getting... He was pretty big. Like, he, he had the... One Must book be. out, been people were kind of taking him seriously. He was sitting well, on panels with other, you know, UFO experts of the day. 
And that's how that's how Deborah knew about him, though, right? Because she did read his book prior to this encounter. Right. Yeah, she she, she did yeah. know about him, and then she reached out to him and, and started mm-hmm. a correspondence. So B- Bud Hopkins did manage to kind of come out there uh, at one point, and he said that he actually photographed that dead area in the May of 1985, so like two years after the original event. And he said that that circle seemed almost still devoid of any vegetation that... Two you know, they tried to plant, yeah, even, yeah, two years after the original event, still nothing would grow there, even with the, the father uh, trying to seed it at times. And I mean, I heard he even laced up a pair of fucking Air Monarchs, <laughs> got his cargo fucking shorts on, and went out there and mowed yep. that bad boy and laid down yeah. some fucking soft. Fucking aerated it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this <laughs> ground is completely scorched. Like there's no minerals or anything left for anything to grow. It seems like it, but like like a perfect sphere, like almost like a beam came down and this like scorched the earth. That's what it looked like. And they even mentioned, well, they even mentioned that there were these two, um, there were two small like equidistant holes that that appeared in in, (laughs) to be there in the grass, like impressions. Equidistant. Well, yeah, there were. Yeah, no, you can say fuck. You can't say cowering, but you can say equidistant. <laughs> well, equidistant's easy. You don't have that, like that double vowel sound, like the cover. You got that weird. Like, I, or, yeah, but you could just say words that ninety percent of the population don't know what the fuck it means. But yeah, okay, cool. Uh, it, it, I would. I can see why Bud Hopkins like if he's getting three hundred letters a week. You wonder why, like, why Deborah's account. And I think she probably hit it with a little bit of perfume when she sent it. Yeah, yeah, probably a couple threw in a couple Polaroids. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because that when you're looking at this case, if you're Bud Hopkins, you're reading her letter and her account of it so far, it's very intriguing. And you have numerous people to talk to. So you're like, if okay, if I go there, she says there's physical evidence, which is the grass. I can talk to the mom and I can talk to the neighbors and get like corroborating evidence. So this might make you, sense. You think I the bet grass he, would be a big pull for him though until he actually got his eyes on it? Because it's like, it's just a fucking dead patch of grass. But it's right? a perfect, like how she it's a described it being like a perfect circle. Well, like being a circle a and just something circle. was there. It's a dead circle of grass. You know what though? If you think about like, think about when we've talked to Freddie Silva and he says that like, you know, these old like crop circles and stuff, you could, the ones that were truly authentic and weren't um, fakes, you could feel like a power in the air. So imagine like you get that feeling just in this spot, except people claim to feel sick. (laughs) It wasn't a good feeling. Yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, maybe they spilled like a big bag of fertilizer, but there was no way it'd be a perfect circle, you know? No, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting though that the way they describe like nothing's been able to grow there. It's fucking pulling moisture out of stuff. It's just this like fucking dead piece of fucking land. It makes you wonder. It's like if this is the technology they're using, no wonder they're leaving their planet to look elsewhere because they've this technology is obviously destroying whatever fucking life it's touching, right? Like yeah, it, yeah, it ran away from them and <laughs> destroyed their home world. Uh, now. Debbie was familiar with the process of hypnosis and like the, the medical applications of, of what it was because she she said that in 1975, her sister Laura had actually went to get hypnotized to lose weight. And um, <laughs> genius. Uh, she had went along with a, a girlfriend of hers and um, she said that they had done that the, the girlfriend had done well, but 
Laura maybe done not so great. So Laura said that she reported like, you know, after the, 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 uh, the sessions of hypnosis, um, she would like shortly after she went to bed and then woke up and couldn't talk or hear. The um, sister reported that? That's what the sister said. Weird. And um, I guess the- Could she eat though? That's the question. Did <laughs> well, she still want to eat? <laughs> that, so what? I guess what the, the, the hypnotist had done was trying to subconsciously uh, get her to believe that potato chips were fat slices and so that would like gross her out and therefore like her her subconscious wouldn't let her or wouldn't you know make her desire to eat them but instead her brain (laughs) uh, it had the opposite effect it seemed and then she said that every time that she ate these potato chips that she would feel better (laughs) almost as if she had an like an unhealthy relationship with food to begin with (laughs) absolutely Um, you know, when when Laura called the hypnotist and, and kind of you know relayed to her the the experiences that she was having, like these uh, some type of you know trouble sleeping, um, uh, you know the the fact that she you know she wanted to eat these chips more as opposed to less, <laughs> uh, the hypnotist the hypnotist seemed to suggest that she had she was a fat of piece of, of shit. <laughs> oh, not that. Whoa, whoa, whoa easy. Oh, Jesus. Well, he does. He Relax. does. That's the best he part. He, not, not in those words. I mean, he said pot, that, pot, meat, kettle. Hey, listen, anyone who's a hypnotist out there, I will try your 30, 30 day hypnotized challenge. Hey, I, fuck, I would too. I would love that if I stopped eating chips. Chips are so good. I'd find uh, those bottom two abs. That'd be so great. She's uh, the hypnotist suggested that she had some kind of block and that she yeah. shouldn't see him anymore. <laughs> That's amazing because it's instead of like, no, it's not like this is bullshit and I'm not good at my job. You're blocked. Sums up with you. Yeah. You're blocked. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, even though the effects gradually wore off, uh, Laura. Reported what were the effects? She was still eating chips and candies. <laughs> Right, and not sleeping, chips, but not the and you know and the nightmares or the waking up, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, not being able to. Was she having nightmares of fucking fat slices coming <laughs> after her? <or> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, she she did say that at the end of the whole experience, she was left with a kind of strong feeling uh, that she said, "quote that by the year two thousand, the world would be com- totally different than we know it, and it, uh, but it would only be for the young and strong." That was the prediction. So that was none of us at the end. Um, well, I mean, the world that, was, that was way different. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Y2K, man. <laughs> All the computers shut down, remember? It was wild. <laughs> People are bunkering <laughs> down in their crawl spaces with like hundreds of gallons of water and dried <laughs> fucking military rations. Fucking, got your fucking 40 cans of beefaroni. You're ready to go. Yeah. Now, um, so uh, Debbie ended up going to New York, you know, traveling from Indiana to New York on like a 17 hour bus ride um, to, to visit in person with Bud Hopkins in order to uh, set up a hip hip. <laughs> well, because she's gotten such good recommendations from her sister, right? Like, oh, why not? Like, oh yeah, fucking yeah. It's going to work for me. You got a block. I yeah. probably don't. I'm going to try this. My out. sister went in to get skinny and now has crippling nightmares <laughs> and a serious potato chip addiction. Yeah. And the only thing she'll eat is chicky <laughs> nuggies potato and potato chips. chips. <laughs> uh, she stayed, she stayed with Bud Hopkins and like his assistant at the time. And 
Unfortunately for for Debbie, I suppose, um, the two doctors, Dr. Claymar and Dr. Robert Nyman, uh, who were psychiatrists who um, performed hypnotic sessions uh, for, you know, with in association with Bud Hopkins, were unavailable the week that she had uh, decided to visit with Bud Hopkins. And so without any. Bud Hopkins, guys, he's a problem solver. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. So without any, I guess, qualified professionals available, but Hopkins uh, decided that it took it upon himself to be, to, to perform the hypnotic session. Listen, um, pardon me. He, are you fucking, listen, I can tell you right now, Dr. (laughs) Fucking Sprinkles rolling his grave. (laughs) That's sacrilege. He didn't go to fucking hypnotist school. He's not part of the guild. He can't be doing this shit. Honestly, I find this so relatable because have you never sat in a coach watching someone do something amazing and going, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, it's no problem. Never. I could do that. This is what he's doing. He's, he's like, I've seen a couple he's of these like things. He's like an armchair quarterback here. He's like, he's sitting there. He's like, it's not a problem. I can do it. I know the steps. I've seen it done two or three times. Not a problem. I got this. Who's got a pocket watch? <laughs> uh, so Bud Hopkins and Debbie settle down for their regressive hypno- hypnosis session um, and this is where you get these uh, memories that came back a clearer picture of what oh, so had actually happened or what well, yeah, he's already he's already better than the other guy then could you could you imagine for a second Bud Hopkins here he's like on a whim he can't line up the hypnot- hypnotist Ladies come all the way up from New York. He's like, hey, fuck, I'm doing it himself. He's like waving his pen. And he's like, all right, you remember anything? She's like, I think I remember this polite. And he's like, holy, holy shit. I can't fucking believe this is working. Keep going. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Hmm. So um, in the the session, uh, you know, Hopkins recorded a lot of the responses that that Debbie had and the the recollections that she you know they you know the recovered memories that they labeled them as uh, of what happened that night. Now uh, the 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 strangeness starts when she from that tingling feeling that she had when she entered into the garage. And um, this is where you get the, she felt like something bright and electrifying had hit her squarely in the chest. And like Andrew said, like felt it down to the molecules in her body, or at least that's what the sensation she related it to. Yeah. And one of the things I read is she, she said that because quick flashback, what she remembered prior to this was she went in the garage dog was cowering. She had an uneasy feeling. She felt burning sensation. She felt the urge to leave. That's it. Goes back about a day. Now she recalls seeing like a ball of light and it impact her in the chest. And then this happened. Yeah, she got this happening. fucking thunder punched in the <laughs> solar plexus. <place>. Yeah. <laughs> like how are you going to forget that? And then uh, after this sensation hit her, she said the next thing that she knew is she laid, she was laying on the ground near the outbuilding doorway so outside and then in front and above her uh, about five feet in the air was a ball of light hovering stationary there then she said that she reported seeing another egg-shaped light come into focus uh, which was around 10 feet in diameter near the pump house of the pool where she had originally said uh, you know uh, she said she had seen a light before 
And there is this, she said she kind of had this feeling also that she was able to see six humanoid silhouettes in front of her. Silhouetted, you know, shadows against the light um, that was hovering in front of her. And then the next thing that she knew, she said that she heard a voice say something like, it's over. And then uh, she had this thought of, she said the kind of a thought of concern for her children kind of come into her mind. But then this was followed by a kind of, I guess, psych, you know, a feeling of psychic reassurance that they were okay. Ooh, I feel like if I heard that, I would not be feeling okay. It's over. Like that's terrifying. So she hears it's over, instantly is concerned for her children, but then gets a like a psychic reassurance that they're okay. Right, and it's then that was crazy. kind of the, the end. That was the end of that event that she experienced after um, you know from that hypnotic session. And two things I want to add really quick is one thing we forgot to touch on is shortly after this initial event, not the hypnotist, but the initial event in eighty was it eighty three three. Yeah, 83, uh, where the dog was carrying. That dog had to be put down shortly after. It developed um, what Debbie said, like uh, the vet said was they weren't sure if it was just like all of a sudden riddled with some sort of cancer, but its hair began to fall out. Um, teeth fell just, out. They were, teeth Apparently fell out. the dog the dog was six years old and the vet could have sworn that it was 16. Yeah. It said the dog aged 10 years after this, basically. It deteriorated so quick. The vet was just like, it must be riddled with some like super aggressive cancer. You should just put it down. Yeah. This is awful. awful. So, Rest in peace. Yeah. RP, it, dog. Now, this, the second thing is like, when I first heard this part of the her regression, my kind of brain jumped to like, man, maybe, and I'm not saying this was like, because we have the silhouettes and stuff, but maybe this was like, a case of controlled ball lightning or something where, you know, it's super rare. Maybe she's one of the only people to ever be actually struck by ball lightning. Just right? Like, because you have this, this fear, but the only thing is that it was reoccurring in this area, right? Which would be very strange. But like, then when you start to like hear the sensation, she was burning, she like froze up, she ended up on the floor. It's almost like, she, to me, it sounded like she was electric electrocuted she had that like full body like neuromuscular like freezing and then like she can't remember anything because obviously all the electrical circuits in her brain are all fucking jiggity janked oh yeah right so that's gonna have to be a substantial amount of electricity or 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 like a not maybe not necessarily electricity but maybe like just like a strange frequency like i talked about her skin's on her skin's tingling her vision's all fucked up like this is like some mm-hmm. like directed frequency energy, like technology. She, well, and she did have a flash burn injuries too, right? Yeah. What, what, what the doctor said looked like flash burns, but that could have maybe been just mm-hmm. like a reaction of her molecules in her eyeballs, just like frying from the inside. Yeah. Holy fuck. So it, like, it almost seems to me like, like she went to the garage, she was attacked with this energy to get her to leave the garage and then she has the missing time I mean, this is a this is a classic. The missing time and all that two, that's out, a, two hours. That's a, a abduction like scenario. The here. interesting too is is the slow onset of the injuries too, right? Because she did she did make it back to her friend's house. Yep. They did go swimming. They went for fast food, right? And then she went to bed. And then she woke up with 
the injuries. Well, yeah, they felt a little nauseous from the pool, that, but they still mm-hmm. were able to go for food and then, it, yeah, progressed to be like so terrible. But so, you, you know what? Like maybe she was in some sort of like days where she, or she, like her mind and body weren't even like really connected. She was in some sort of like kind of like dream mode and like as she starts to like gain all her motor functions back kind of thing, it's like she starts to realize that like, oh man, I'm, I'm not, I'm feeling pretty fucking rough. Like I'm feeling nauseous. My, my limbs are tingly. What's going on? So maybe it was like one of those things like I, if you've ever had like a kind of a bad concussion and you kind of get those time skips, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, I've had a bad concussion where it's like, I, I time traveled. Did I play that game even? Yeah. (laughs) And so obviously I was talking to people and I was normal, but I'm like, you weren't, you weren't talking to me. I don't remember that. Like, yeah, you're talking to Concuzzi Bird. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, like, maybe they're yeah. talking to Concuzzi Debbie. Yeah, you never yeah. know. It's interesting though that she didn't like the friends didn't notice, right? Because like a lot of times when somebody has like a substantial head injury, they're repeating themselves, right? Like there's some type of like short term amnesia, that type of shit. But well, that's why. That's why I think it's that directed energy shit. Unless yeah. she was luring the neighbors back to her place. To harvest their organs. Not she, to harvest, no. but like, but maybe because she goes over there and she's just like immediately, she's like, she's there to fucking sew. And she goes over there and she goes, let's go back to my place for a swim. Yeah, but that's like, she just described how her whole body was burning and shit. Like, I would want to go on it. I'd take a dip after that. Yeah, but why are you right? going to like, I feel weird. I feel gross because you don't want to be alone. You're probably shitting your pants after that weird ass event, right? No. Hey, maybe you have an no. e- this ET. E- this, these predatory ETs, they shoot this directed energy at her. They're kind of mind controlling her. Like, let's make it easier. Let's get a couple more specimens. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I think. They bring them back. But then what happens? Daddy came home from work with a shotgun. Like, why didn't they take ten him? gauge double barrel shotgun <laughs> aimed directly <laughs> at the neighbors? Why would they why not? Well, why would they why just would take, they them, just take the kids? Or the, or the mom who was there by herself. I'm just, That's true. I'm just saying, why why bring them back? Maybe they wanted them all. Maybe it's, it's easier I, for well, them. I, I think she just didn't want to be alone. I'm she was weirded that. out. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Personally. Maybe. Yeah, I think I think I the know. I think the neighbors might have suffered some of the after effects of like whatever occurred. Like they might have just been in caught in in that. Like I think that's what unfortunately for them. I yeah. I, I don't get the I don't get the the feeling that they were kind of lured there for, for some sort of nefarious purpose. At least yeah, I don't. It's just all around bizarre still. Like even now that we're filling these gaps of this missing time, it's just still the, the you know, her actions are so strange. Yeah, I just like, I, I I think I could get the on board with the idea that she just didn't want to be alone and being like, hey, let's all go for a swim. Like my dad will be home, you know, yeah. soon or whatever. Like from- She just know, fails to mention that o'clock. she just got- smashed in the chest with an energy ball and her skin was on well, she, well, she, she didn't remember she that. obviously remembered she didn't, right? she, didn't remember. she didn't remember that until after until after it wasn't until the, fucking until the old Bud Hopkins dangled that little pen in front of her eyes and fucking yeah. you know bingo bango bongo okay, okay. So, like now that we talked about the dog like what did she suffer any like lingering effects to this well I <laughs> uh, she Kat, Kathy uh, Debbie's health problems are kind of she had a long uh, history of kind of 
uh, you know, negative health ailments of hers. Apparently, like before all of this, uh, she had at some point, like um, in 1983, I guess she had gone to doctors because she they were sure that she had contracted Cushing's disease. She had existed. Ooh, she shitty. had all of the what's that symptoms. But the test results said that she was negative. She didn't test positive for for Cushing disease. But That's she did. What have, is that? What's Cushing disease? So Andrew, it's like it's it's basically a, it's a hormone disorder. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It's not good. It's it's an autoimmune disease. It's not good. Um, I mean, she had other chronic problems, you know, in her medical history. I mean, she had hypoglycemia. She was diagnosed with hypoglycemia, uh, hyperadrenalism. Hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia, uh, hyperadrenalism. And she did have high blood pressure uh, in, in her, and uh, along with allergic reactions to certain medications. Which, uh, I mean, like the Cushing disease is awful. And it kind of, when you're, you're speaking about more like endocrine, more hormonal diseases as well, like makes sense. But- like let's take Cushing's out of the fucking mix. Everything else very standard, very normal. Like that's I'd say the average person on the American diet. Is that like obesity? Like has hypertension. Like is that obesity? Like yeah. Like if, if most, was like, most people who are obese and elderly have hypertension. Most people who go normal. to a hip, hypnotist to lose weight have this kind of stuff. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, but this is her sister. That being said, in the story that I heard, good old fucking Debbie was polishing off a bucket of. KFC when she saw the light coming out from the fucking <laughs> yeah. house. That's that's, that's what I read. Okay, you're telling, that's, you're telling that's, she dusted yeah. a bucket. She oh, hallucinated yeah. the whole thing Listen, and then went to fucking hey, Denny's to rage hey, after. Extra crispy is what went I heard. To yeah. Denny's to rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, fuck, that's, that's crazy. And it's the truth. Listen, I'm not even a, if she I'm crushed a bucket, I'm telling you right now. If she ch- if she chucked back a bucket of extra crispies, yeah, this whole thing was food induced. Buddy, Debbie was staring <laughs> down an empty bucket. She was staring. Debbie was staring down an empty I'm tell- bucket. I'm telling you, I'm surprised she could even walk straight, man. Oh man, I, I would rather do eight eight grams of mushrooms <laughs> just off a <laughs> dust off a bucket of extra crispies from KFC. That's gonna do some devastating things to your mind and body. <laughs> so I mean. That's all the kind of stuff that you get with her. Now, after this event, there would be a number of other, like a, quite a number of, you know, after her hypnotic sessions with Bud Hopkins, after she returned home, um, the following months would be filled, she said, with kind of strangeness that got on. She said that her, her uh, at least one of her sons experienced uh, pretty vivid nightmares uh, after this. He even reported like seeing like a, a, a man with a big head in his room at some point. Like, uh, I guess the two brothers like slept together in the same room. Um, he had a pretty, uh, serious nightmare that she recalled, you know, this was after, this is a couple weeks after she had had, um, uh, their hypnotic regression with, with Hopkins. So, uh, after that, I mean, she had a, other experiences that she, after this, she started recalling other events, um, that she kind of deemed significant. She went back in her memory or she felt like she was able to go back in her memory and look through this new lens uh, given to her by uh, her experiences with the hypnosis uh, to kind of th- these events that happened in her past and be like, these were really strange at the time or I didn't or I didn't think of them at that strange at the time. Now looking back on them with what I know now, these seem really strange. Um so <laughs> like um she had an experience 
she said she had a very vivid nightmare after she had been uh, with her uh, husband at the time. I guess it was either her, her second husband um, that she had been. They had just been recently married. I guess uh, she had had a um, uh, she had had a a, a a pregnancy. Like she had tested positive for pregnancy. They had done blood tests, urine tests. Uh, she was positive, and they were pregnant, and they were kind of excited about it. Um, and then, unfortunately, she had the uh, they they lost a pregnancy at some time uh, during. During it. Oh man, that's fucking see, and that's the other thing. Like with these stories, is because I like I listened to her interview with Doctor uh, or not Doctor <laughs> with Linda Moulton Howe. Oh yeah, and that's like that's a completely different. Like she was fucking seventeen, she was engaged. Yeah, yeah, right. Like she wasn't married or anything like that. And when she had this issue, like the yeah. story is super bizarre though. Like it's 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 interesting. I'd love to go into a little bit more of it. Yeah, so, but it's it's you know it's it's borderline. Dream police territory for us. <laughs> well, but it, it's weird though. Okay, so like, can we can we go off yeah, on this a little let's bit? Let's go into it. Yeah, because I listened to the interview. It's interesting. So okay, so she was she was sleeping in her bed, had a nightmare, and you know woke up with an immediate feeling that there's something wrong with her baby. And when she woke up, she was no longer in her room. She was in her niece's room. Okay, so oddly enough, her friend was planning on going to Planned Parenthood to get birth control. So she decided to plan to 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 tag along. Now, the one of the problems I have with the story is there was never an establishment of exactly how far along she was. But from what I understand, she was seventeen. She was noticeably pregnant. They were trying to speed up the wedding with her first husband. Right. Okay, so she goes to Planned Parenthood and says, "I would like to be. You know, I need to see a doctor. I want to get checked up." Checked out, goes through, does the P test, does the dip test, test comes back negative. She's no longer pregnant. Oh. Okay, so she comes home frantic, tells her mom what the fuck's going on. Mom decides to take her to the GP, the family doctor. They do more tests, blood work, everything like that. And again, they she say she's no longer pregnant. Now, apparently, this is it was she was documented pregnant, right? Like it was definitely mm -hmm. she had seen the OBGYN, she's done all that. Now, the bizarre thing though is, so she's like, okay, so where do we go from here? The doctor said, like her GP said she didn't need a DNC, anything like that. And she, you know, and there was no spontaneous abortion. She didn't deliver the fetus, anything like that. So, you know, if you don't deliver the fetus, you need a DNC. They have to go in there and, and basically, if you don't know what a DNC is, they basically go in and- Remove. Clean out the uterus. Yeah get everything out, right? Because it's it's dead. You have to get it out, Yeah, right? Or you're going to get an infection. And she says there was no DNC, anything like that. It's like the fetus magically disappeared. The, 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 she, she claims that the gynecologist was like, it's like you were never pregnant. Yeah. Like that's that. And that's fucking bizarre. The fetus was taken. Yeah. Dude. And th honestly, this, I was, problem is I was in the sauna. I might've fucking had a little, you know, yep. I was in the sauna while I was listening to this interview. And like, I don't know if anybody's touched on this because I'm sure someone's touched on this. I'm sure, but I haven't heard it because I haven't, you know, I'm still somewhat new into this whole, you know, despite we've been talking about aliens for five years, I'm finally buying in now. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so like I was getting in there and I was thinking like, you know, so, you know, go back. One of my favorite, one of my favorite theories is Michael Masters theory, right? Dr. Michael Masters. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, maybe these, maybe we evolved to the point where we can no longer reproduce. Maybe our babies are test tube babies at some point. Right. And it's like, maybe this is the way they're keeping 
the civilization alive mm. by abducting fucking fetuses or, you know, like this is bizarre. We don't hear this a lot or, or abducting small children, anything like that. Like maybe that's how they're, they sustain their life, their, their civilization, right? Yep. Because they can't produce children on their own. Yep. That is one of the main theories. Yeah. They come back either to, when they abduct you, they either take sperm and eggs or in this, in this itself. case, the feeds perhaps the fetus itself, like they're taking, like taking it. That's and maybe that's, maybe that was older technology, right? Like, cause this is what the eighties, maybe they've evolved past that and they only have to take sperm and egg. That's why you don't hear about it. I that may much. be talking out of my ass, but you probably are. Probably. But I do too. So cause I listened fine. to a couple of interviews with her. I've been listening to interviews and stuff with her throughout the week. I have heard that tale, but I also th thought I heard her talk about, thinking that she may have saw her daughter. She, yeah. Yes, later. later. She did. She was visited by a yeah. small girl with blue eyes. They, yeah. it, it was somewhat of a, uh, like, what, do you, what do you call it? Like half breed? Yeah, like yeah. a Nordic. Sorry, sorry, a hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. Sorry, hybrid, not half breed. Mud blood. Okay, yeah. Mud bloods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy mud bloods. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps. So yeah, those are these are all memories that she recovered after the after the fact after her original uh, regressive hypnosis. These are things that she said she recalled back again. Especially uh, that one was one of the more traumatic ones that she experienced. Um, Absolutely, saying that yeah, I think in one of the one of the hypnotic sessions, I think she had like one or two more, and she was talking about how I think she had one more that that specific one about that specific event, talking about that really vivid nightmare or a series of nightmares and saying, you know, they took my daughter and she was saying that, you know, that, that hybrid or that, that humanoid that she had seen was her daughter. Like she felt like you know, it is some sort of connection to that, <laughs> to that figure. Which is interesting too, because you'd think like, okay, so this is, this is her daughter. This is a hybrid. And if they have this technology, Right. We know that like from what we understand in some theories is the fact that they they you know they they check in with these people over time, maybe potentially to see, you know, how they've they've evolved, whatever, how they age, the aging process. But you think like it's like, okay, so we know that we've taken this woman's child and now we've it's become our own, it's become a hybrid, whatever. It's like, you know, like maybe that's why they keep checking in because this like the, the their her child is now you know, part of them or it's hybrid or whatever, it would want to go back and see where it's come from. Like right? an adopted adopted child searching out its parents. Exactly, yeah. right? Like you, that's that's what makes sense to me. Like but. they're telling the aliens, like, hey, listen, you're actually adopted. Your real mother well, she did is, 20, on, the, is on the, Earth. She did 23 and Me. Yeah. Found, opened up a few doors. Found out, yeah, they're from a, this place called the United States of America on planet Earth in this subsection of the galaxy. And then off you go. I've had I've had four people since I signed up from Twenty Three and Me that have like messaged me, being like, "Hey, like we're first cousins. Like, do you know what's up?" And it's all from the same uncle. Really? <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, it's amazing. I like. She's like, "Do you know? Do you think you know who my like my dad is?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I know. I don't have to check. Like, I've gotten this message fucking four <laughs> oh, times already. Like, can I yeah, can I guess hilarious. who it is? I'm not going to guess on the show, but okay, after yeah, maybe yeah. I don't even know if you know him. Okay. He's been on vacation for a long time. Oh yeah, hint, so, big hint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely wouldn't know him, but well, no. I mean, that's what I think. That's what Hopkins says too about like a lot of the ET abductions is kind of like scientists how we tag animals from a young age and then check in with them as they go. It's like because he says a lot of times abduction cases, which he finds through his hypnosis, they start in childhood 
and they seem to repeat and repeat and repeat until the person's 40 or 50 and then they kind of stop. So it's like they're fault. They come in, take genetic material or whatever, and they kind of follow your progression and then leave you alone when you're 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bud Hopkins uh, has always kind of had the, you know, in interviews with him and, you know, the panels that he's done and I've watched, uh, he has the, he expresses the kind of view that these uh, extraterrestrials are, of have some sort of nefarious purpose, just just for the fact that he believes that a lot of like the memories that these people, he talks about screen memories. He talks about those things like those being, um, which can be also be naturally produced um, in, in the human mind. But also he's saying that, you know, they're artificially generating these, these screen memories that people kind of need, you know, the focus of aggressive hypnosis that kind of push to kind of break through some of these. He's saying that that is kind of, proof that these aliens like they what they're doing is they don't want to be discovered Mm. and therefore like they are being um intentionally uh obscure they're being intentionally trying to keep their stuff clandestine like they're trying to keep what they're doing a secret so they're for bud hopkins at least he's thinking that these extraterrestrials like what they do is they know is i guess wrong and so they're they they don't want to be discovered and that they have some kind of uh, you know, it, it's just like they're more, they're not benevolent, I think is kind of his view. They're not all, they're not benevolent. They're not here to kind of, you know, not, and they're not necessarily like, I guess, ambulant. They're not like, they, there's not like they're not interested. They're just kind of, you know, they don't want us to know about they're them. They're nihilist, yeah. nihilist aliens. They just don't care about anything. They're just here checking in, stealing babies, stealing babies. <laughs> <laughs> Hide your kids. <laughs> Hide your wives. Hide your wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel bad. I knew I, for those listening to the audio version, I just went and took a pee break. But I knew as soon as Dan started, I was like, Dan rant, perfect time to pee. <laughs> keep talking about you, topic of You back. literally timed it perfect. You had two, two perfect timings today, actually. Two perfect timings. Yeah. Boys, I'm on. It fucking, it's like uh, should we get over. into final thoughts on this one? Yeah, let's get sure. into final thoughts. That's, uh, that's pretty much the end of this encounter. There is sub stories of other things we could go into, but that'll be for another time. Uh, I can go first on this one. So, you know, getting into this one, looking at some research did raise me, like raise a couple questions for me. Um, Particularly like if she left for the neighbor's house to 6 p.m., you know, immediately came back to the house, let's peg her back at the house around 6.30, right? That kind of makes sense to you guys, like from the account. Like, Mm. let's say that's rough. Let's give her to seven. She came back to the house to check at seven. Um, The whole time she was having this experience, laying on the ground for two hours, what was her mom doing? You could touch on the fact, remember we talked, we gave him the benefit of the doubt, the fact that they're on an acreage. Maybe this place is a little bit far out, right? But she came back, she came back to like, because the mom was like, come back. Yeah, and she didn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but she didn't we, mention. I never really got well. into it, but like, what if? I know what you're going to say. This is more than just a singular account. Yeah. So, um, and that's what I think is that maybe because I'm going to say this because I'm going to get a, a little bit of a rant here, uh, but <laughs> I believe this account of Debbie's. I wholeheartedly believe this particular account of the pool pool house account is happened and something weird happened and 
something weird happened to the ground. Now, I believe that this is possibly, I believe a, it was a groupish it, like instance. I believe whatever was happening there was already happening to her mom when her mom called. I think her mom was in some sort of weird trance afterwards being like, come back. Like you, you have to come back. You must come and that's, back. And that's her getting the daughter back. And then her going to the neighbors and being like, come for a swim. That's her getting the neighbors there because these people, they just want, they were just collecting data from a, from a couple people. That's, that's what I think. Mm. Um, the subsequent issues that I have with Debbie is that, and unfortunately Debbie has, she's lived a hard life. She's had a lot of health issues and stuff. And with the popularity of intruders by Bud Hopkins and the, and the eyes that were brought onto this, she realized that originally she didn't want to be part of it. She was like, Hey, don't use, I want my family to protect. I don't want, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be Cali. Then she started to see how it was taken off. She's like, okay, well, I got medical bills and shit. I ain't got insurance. Hey, I'm Kathy. I'm Debbie. <laughs> Ask me the questions. Ask me the questions. You want, you want to know why? I even have more crazy. I got crazier story. I got crazier story. Things that happen because as the one tale gets old, she was trying to bring up new ones. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm telling like, you didn't remember that you had a magic baby that disappeared that you all of a sudden recalled that. I was like, I don't even believe that happened. I don't believe she was pregnant. I believe she got into a whole bucket of crispy, crispy chicken KFC was bloated. <laughs> Extra crispy. Right? Extra crispy. She was bloated. And that's why people thought she was showing. It wasn't a baby at all. It was food baby. <laughs> just a little food baby. Okay. But honestly, I just, outside of this particular incident, I just don't believe her further. And I don't, I don't think it's, she's trying to, I think she's someone who needs the money, unfortunately. And she's, she saw an opportunity. And once people stopped caring about this encounter, she tried to stretch that. Um, you know, I've listened to interviews where she says like, she insinuates that the only people that can get PTSD are people who have been sexually assaulted as a child, people who have been to war and alien abductees. And she hasn't been to war and she wasn't sexually assaulted. So it has to be aliens. Therefore, ET uh, By abductee. process of elimination. And I'm, you're kind of like, and you're like, oh, like, Ew, cringe. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, that's, there's other, lots of people have PTSD, lady. Like, so I, I don't, I believe this encounter. I really do. Like, it's, it's, interesting you know <laughs> there's there's other issues with it but hopkins being a painter who's doing hypnotist out of his <laughs> on the whim sculptor right sculptor right like it's it's there's some red flags to it but like i believe that she had an experience and she was reaching out to help because she's like i don't know what happened like something weird happened and through the process she kind of relearned what happened in that instance unfortunately after that, I don't believe anything she says, and she lost all credibility, in my opinion. That, see, that's impressive because it's usually this is an easy fucking braid and hop on the fucking alien train <laughs> all day. Fucking something happened. She's she's paranormally activated and abducted. And I'm that's where I'm going right now. Yeah, well, I want to hear it. I'm Let's I'm only ex on I'm me. only examining the enc the encounter itself. Yeah, the the glowing orb that was in the pump house. I think this is like a slow encounter where the, whoever these people were. Slow burn. Slow burn. They're investigating the house. They choose their target. 
They use their energy manipulation to direct her. So she goes in the garage. They heat up her skin. They take her outside. She loses an hour and 45 minutes in that time. Like me, like she gets the, she gets the regressive hypnosis. Sure. But it's not reliable. So, but I think that the original account, she remembers a little bit, but I think it's probably much even deep, like more like deeper than the hypnosis. I think the hypnosis is like you're directing that person to remember certain things. But I think it's done by an amateur. Done too. by an amateur, so you can't you can't put too much faith in it. But I think the story, I think this, it's her, her mom, her children. Maybe it's like a family that's targeted by these ETs, and these are like they coming back. They've it's happened before, and through some tag them and yeah, the hypnosis maybe brought back some memories that you know are fragmented but it it, it scared her it gave her the PSD the PTSD but I think this is a true account this is one uh, one of the better ones we've come across lately if you go for, there's a, her original account of what happened and like I don't know I think uh, I because this is not an isolated case I mean we've talked about so many I think these ETs are coming here I think they're scientists they're examining they may taking DNA reproductive material. That's what I think. I think we're just, uh, we're at low, a low organism on the pole and these guys are, we're like ants to them and they're just coming here, poking and prodding, picking up, picking us up, wiping some quick just, memories, putting you back down. Be thankful they left you, didn't keep you. So, um, before Dan fucking takes his bazooka out and blasts this thing to bits, I'm going to hop in here real quick. All right, Dan's bazooka is loaded. By the way, it's always going to do some damage on this one, I'm sure. So when we when we do these, just like when we do the UFO reviews, all that type of stuff, like I try, like the first thing my brain tries to rationalize, like what else could this be? Like what can you know? What could the you know, like brain said, the ball lightning or something like that, right? Mm. Something that's kind of just where my brain goes to, and I want to solve that, and it's really hard to with this one, right? Like I couldn't find any excuses, I couldn't find anything, and then I kept thinking, and really the only tangible evidence that I can like, we can get our hands on or we can look at of this encounter is a perfectly round patch of dead grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Other than that, the rest, the, the other 95% of this entire encounter takes place in Deborah's head. Okay. So we're taking it right from her. Now, you know, we do find out that later, I think it was like uh, Bud says 25 years later, he got contacted by some of her neighbors that witnessed seeing a bunch of fucking orbs around the same time. So that's kind of interesting, right? But that being said, the majority of this story comes from Deborah herself, right? And then she teams up with Bud Hopkins. Now, what, you know, Bud Hopkins, not only is he known as a a ufologist, he's written his books and stuff like that, but he's also an artist. What is the biggest thing that artists need to be good at what they do. Inspiration. Use hands. Of an imagination. Mm. <laughs> right? Yep. They have to be imaginative. Right? So she teams up with Bud Hopkins and this story just suddenly builds and builds and builds and builds. Right? And it becomes this beautiful, elaborate story, which is very interesting and it's cool and it, it's very thought-provoking. But for me, I just, I don't get enough of it other than just Deborah's, you know, Deborah's side. I don't get enough. There's nobody. We don't really hear from the mom. We don't hear from the kids, the neighbors. We don't get anything like that, right? We don't get any of the other accounts, which in a story like this, that it's touched so many other people. There's so many other fucking people involved in this. And yet we don't get any, 
anything from them. We don't have any interviews. We don't have any firsthand knowledge, anything like that. Well, right? Deborah right. does claim that the interviews were taped by Bud Hopkins. Um, but in 2013, she was in possession of what she believes was the only copies, perhaps Bud's ex-wife, who absolutely despises Bud, so she won't release them. But she had the only copies, and a tornado destroyed her home and the tapes in 2013. Which, and I mean that that could be very well true, but it just seems she was running a website. Why wouldn't you digitize them? Absolutely right. Like it's just unfortunately, it just seems kind of like excuses to me. Like it, it's a really cool story. It hits all the major hallmarks for these UFO stories, the time loss, everything like that. It's interesting. I just there's just not enough for me to buy in personally. It's a fair, it's a fair analysis, I would say. All right, Dan, you got two. You got Zoom two time. minutes. It's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> aliens. Quickest one ever. Dan, aliens yep. done. Uh, aliens. No, Dan, give uh, us, who, give it, give it to us. We got for theory of the week. <laughs> oh. Fuck that. Let's go, Dan. Dan. Go, go, go. Maester this shit. Put, put yourself in Debbie's shoes. Um, Debbie, who has had an interest in UFOs before, she said that she had watched the original TV film. Um, about the, mm-hmm. um, or at least she was aware of, and she had wa- she said she had watched it. She had watched the original TV film of the Barney and Betty Hill uh, abduction, um, where and you get a lot the of book. the kind of archetypal gray imagery from the the formation, the big heads, the dark eyes, that kind of thing. And she said that she actually couldn't sleep that night because it had freaked her out so much. Now put yourself in Debbie's shoes where she has had a some type of event that this the, the strange a strange series of events that all kind of lined up. And she has read the book. She's had some kind of passing interest, at least some kind of mild interest in the alien abduction phenomenon. She gets in touch with Bud Hopkins that, you know, she writes a letter to him and being like, you know, hey, this stuff is kind of weird. Like some of this stuff happened to me. Like, do you think something happened to me? He responds. He writes back to her. Automatically, she gets a sense of validation of like this stuff has already happened. Like it, 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 to her, it's like he's taken an interest in me. He's an expert or she saw him as a type of now, expert. Obviously, he's interested like, for a reason. So, um, you know, that automatically kind of puts her in a position to be like, wow, something actually really did happen to me. Or at least somebody else thinks that something has happened to me. An expert believes that. So she travels 17 hours on a bus to go meet Bud Hopkins that she's never met before, a stranger in most, in, you know, in <laughs> like the most, the simplest sense. Um, and she goes to stay with him for like a week. And can you imagine going, traveling 17 hours to go meet somebody that you've never met before? You've only talked through letters, you're going there. And would you want to go there with nothing and then come back and be like, you know, I, I, I why did you, people asking you like, why did you go visit this person? Like you left your kids at home and you went to go see Bud Hopkins, who's the, I mean, most people would probably be like the alien guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so... She had to sell some belongings, from what I understand, to afford this trip too. Like, Yeah, she was on a super budget, like uh, Bud Hopkins. Well, she was recently divorced. Yeah, Bud Hopkins mentioned in his book, like she was super conservative with her, with her money. She was very, uh, um, you know, kind of budgeting everything out about how she could do it. And uh, she was kind of proud that she was going to make it back with like a little extra money um, after the whole trip itself, uh, even purchasing souvenirs for her sons. Um, but can you imagine going all the way out there? And then if you came back and you said like, oh, nothing, you know, I went out there for nothing. I went and met with this person for nothing. So you're you're getting on a couch to be hypnotized. And we already know that, you know, hip, 
hypnotist on the best of days is inadmissible in court. Like it's not, it's not going to be evidence that can be Tough to prove. used yeah. in a court of law. Um, it, it can be, it can be dangerous in, in the worst sense. Um, if performed improperly or stuff like that, you can implant memories. Like nightmares are not something that is out of, I believe is not out of the ordinary for some like poorly administered <laughs> hypnosis. So you have all these things happen and you have Bud Hopkins putting her on the couch, talking to her. She's already got the idea that aliens, I mean, she's probably already have the, the kind of, I want to say bias that being like, I already know aliens exist. And you have Bud Hopkins who's never done any kind of hypnotizing. He's the alien guy. And he's like, holy shit, I'm doing it. (laughs) And, but I I can't imagine it's just, there's a lot of stuff here that interferes with the validity of the story. Again, like when I was reading the book and then Bud Hopkins put in that part, he's like, these two guys, these two psychologists were out for the week and I decided to do it myself. I was like, holy shit, dude, any fucking validity that you had to the story for me is just, you just chucked it out the fucking window. <laughs> like, it's just like, whoop, everything's gone. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that you kind of had to be like, I believe that Debbie believes what happened to her actually happened. Um, but whether or not like that's that, that feeling, all of this stuff that she reported after having the regressive hypnosis, like she didn't, she like some of the stuff she called, but Hopkins with like the nightmare that her son had, um, you know, recalling some of the memories that she had um, when she was like a te- when she was a teenager, uh, some of this stuff that she kind of lent this new, like she lent new significance to these, these memories that she had as like a child and things like this. And it's like, so now she's going back and being like, well, something weird happened here and I can, I can recall it kind of vividly or some type of event happened to me that kind of lodged itself in it's my memory. And that must mean that it was aliens. It was, it's just kind of like that. That's the stuff that could, in my mind is kind of like interferes with the whole kind of truth or being like, I, I can be, I can be like, yes, you were abducted by aliens, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that's interfering with the whole, uh, the whole story. And it's just like, there's a lot of moving parts and you're kind of like, wow. Um, not sure. Mm-hmm. You're thinking <laughs> too, all this stuff that's in the thinking way too deep, Dan, cut out all sure, that stuff sure. that's clouding your judgment and go right to aliens. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Easier. Yeah. We yeah. should have cut you off the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely over your two minutes, but we'll let it slide. I, I, I honestly, I like that though. It's it, you, it's kind of a perfect storm of circumstances. I still believe. There was I, I like this one. Happened. It's a fun, fun yeah. case. I like it. Okay, we had run a little long. You want to save your mongoose? Yeah, we can save it. I can do it next time. Shall we? I got an idea. We'll record. We'll record it for uh, next week's break. What? I'm, I'm getting diverted to the break show now. All right. Yeah. I can see now. All right. All right. No more main show. Relegated to the break. All right. Okay. Interesting. I can do some fun editing with it. Interesting yeah. tactic. We'll talk about it. All right. Who's this week's theorite of the week? I I could see the name. I don't want to say it though because I'm going to fuck it up. You got to say it. I'm waiting. I'm ready. Joseph Not. Does, does that look right to you? That sounds yeah. right to me. Yeah? yeah. You guys yeah. on board with that? I'm on board with that. Yeah. All right. Jason or Jason. <laughs> Oh, you had it. You had it for a second. For a split second, you had it. This is my COVID re- rebound pod. So I've been fucking. This is my got, first time on the league. You got COVID brains. You got COVID yeah, brain. I'm good. You, you, uh, you, Joseph Knott. 
Guy's been on fire with his memes. He's yeah, he's competing against Burmeister all of a sudden. Someone's got to give him run for his money. Listen, that one with the the meme cat with the they're eating salads and the two chicks are pointing at him, but the two chicks are me and Braden. Hilarious. Mm. Then it's good. Funny. He followed up with a beautiful La Chupacabras post, and he includes everybody in this beautiful meme. Except myself. Except Andrew. <laughs> I mean, there's guys that are in this fucking meme that have been on three podcasts. Mr. Conspiracy and Byron and both made the, the cut, cut. And they've been on three each. I think Joseph not knows something I don't know because all of a sudden I'm getting relegated to the break show and I'm not being included in memes. I mean, the writing's on the wall. We hey, I got the, hey, the Irish potatoes been fucking taking, he's been sitting in promos. He's been cutting promos oh, off. Dude, he's taking my uh, spot. Someone's Irish potato. Been, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Irish potato. He sent us a couple uh, audition tapes to fill Andrew's spot. Um, <laughs> on our, He didn't post them publicly. He just sent them to us. Uh, they were great. We had a pretty good laugh. He's, dude, hey, this guy's a beauty. Yeah, he's good shit. He's funny. It was pretty funny. I'm so sure Sean, not, we, we haven't seen the end of that guy. So. Yeah. I hadn't heard from him since that fucking devastating Pats loss, though. So everybody should probably check on him. He might uh, <laughs> might not be okay. <laughs> Maybe he's out camping. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll make sure to include that in our weekly roundup of memes and everything else off the Facebook group on our socials. And if you're not supporting the show and you want early access, all the other good stuff. Head to our website, actually. Everything's there, alientheorist.com. We got two ways to support the show now, as we talked about on last episode, Patreon and Supercast to get the same stuff. One doesn't require a nap. One does. It's totally up to you. This week's newest pledges. Polly Casares, Drew P. Weiner. Was it Weiner? <laughs> Drew P. Weiner? That's amazing. Drew P. Weiner. <laughs> That's great. Fuckers, always get me. Always get me. Joe Romero. Ecom Zamog. Is that another fucking play on words? Zimog, yeah. Zimog. I don't think so. Ecom Zamog. Mr. Swag Duke. Mr. Swag Duke goes up a pledge. Oh, boy, Swag Duke. Four off the supercast here. Gustavo Topete, John Quinn, Anthony Lopez, and James. Danilchuk, thank you very much for supporting the show. Yeah, those James are my Dan- people, man. James Danilchuk's the heir to the pierogi fortune in uh, Campbell River. Oh, really? Oh, that's wow. a big <laughs> celebrity. First celebrity, celebrity. endorsement. Yeah, he, I, yeah. I feel like I re- some resonates with the supercast people in me because that's what I would do. I'm like, I can't figure this Patreon shit out. I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking here's my money. Take my money. Give me fucking give me the app. Give me the app. Come on. Yeah. Give me my feet. Anyways. As we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Peace. See you in after hours. <laughs>